Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Pac 12 Media Day. I've got Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State head coach, and for a lot of Duck fans out there, former Oregon coordinator. You miss Oregon? No, you don't. This time of yeah. year, it's nice out there this time of year. <laughs> yeah. It's hot in Arizona this time of year. Yeah. Nice there. All right, you can say that. Uh, what's that been like for you? Okay, you get your feet on the ground now, and it's just go, isn't yeah. it? it's just go. I mean, you're you're never ready for the opportunity, but you're always prepared. You know, yeah. so I was prepared for everything that came my way, but yeah. it's impossible to be, quote-unquote, ready. You had your, I, I don't know, are you the youngest head coach in Power 5? To be honest, I don't know. You probably are. That you probably, nobody's told you you are. That, but let me ask you this. You had Mike Norvell. You had Dan Lanning. Those were young guys. And I think both were the youngest at, at the time. Do you learn anything watching those two guys in, in fairly early parts of their head coaching career? 100%. I mean, when I look at Mike Norvell, that's essentially my mentor in this profession. And when he took over Memphis at the time, when I went with him, I got to see him not change but adapt to his new role not as an offense coordinator but as the leader and how he took his time to try to build and establish the culture that he wanted that was different than ones that were of the past that yeah. i've been a part of with him so uh there's too long of a list to talk about how many things i learned from coach norvell yeah. but it's it's most of what we do bo nix uh, i've heard you talk finally about him and the time you spent with him um were you surprised he came back another year uh, it kind of felt like it was your last year, his last year. You guys are both leaving, and then he came back. Yeah, but the one thing you got to know about Bo is he's the ultimate competitor. And when you when you put him in a position to where he can win championships and win a Heisman and do all these things that he dreamt of since he was a four years old, throwing the football with his dad in all Auburn, Alabama, and now those things are obtainable again to him. You know, people thought for a period of time in his career that those weren't obtainable. And for those things to be obtainable to him again, that's special, that's unique, and I couldn't be happier for him. This uh, off season, did you get away with family? I know you got a young, you got a young one, right? We do. Like, like a year, year and a half? A year and a half, spot yeah. on. Yeah. See, because I, I remember you were hired as coordinator and then baby came. That's right. And that was it. So did you guys go away or is it just enough that you've got a new job, you've moved, you've got all the stresses of young life? No, I, I got to get away. I got to leave the city. Otherwise, my mind, when I'm in the city, my brain goes to like, well, who should I meet with? Who can yeah. I go uh, grab a coffee with who can help our football team with NIL. Who can I go do this? So I got to leave. I have yeah. to leave. So we went to Carlsbad. We went over to Disney nice. with the little one. So we got away, got in some cool air for a little bit. What's your ride at Disney? Uh, well, the little one likes It's a Small World. So right, right now, right now I'm, I'm the best It's a Small World, world rider. Uh, How many times you go on that ride? Uh, like four times. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it feels like it gets like a, yeah. a bigger world and bigger world every single ride. We took our two youngest daughters, who were they were maybe at the time they were like five and seven. We took them to Florida, to Disney World. Yeah. And all they wanted to do was It's a Small World and the teacups. And I was like, <laughs> we just spent 1200 bucks riding the teacups. So get you used to it settle in it'll be a little while before exactly you get a good right. ride uh your football team you've got um i don't think people are worried about your skill guys i think you're gonna you're gonna do what you do on offense but can you physically compete up front 
on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think we brought in a lot of guys, uh, especially up front at defensive end, defensive tackle, offensive line. I think there's a combined 11 new guys, or 10 new guys roughly at those positions. Uh, most of those interior D linemen were brought in post-spring ball. Mm-hmm. So I think to answer that question, I'll know about day seven when we yeah. it's two days into football pads. Yeah. I'll have a good clue on that. Uh, just because you get to see him hit. You see the bodies, though, when they walk in. Do you have the physicality? I guess Oregon would be a bad example, but if you had the physicality of Oregon, you think, hey, we're going to be okay there? I would say so. Yeah? Yeah. Walking in the door. Um, when uh, you talked about NIL and getting coffee with people, I hadn't thought about that because you're right. There's a whole other layer now with you've you got to be selling your program and connecting people to your program. Does it help that ASU's got numbers in that game, meaning you have so many alumni, you have a bigger alumni base, I think, than anybody, and they're all over. Does the numbers game help you? Or, like at Oregon, there's one phone call to make, right? <laughs> and you're, you're, you're getting it done. It's a good done. phone call. <laughs> <laughs> and you're getting it done. But you can't make 30,000 phone calls, but you can try. You can try. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I think the numbers go into it uh, for sure. But I think it takes harder to get, like you said, and longer to get those numbers yeah. uh, to where they should be. So it's uh, we're getting better, we're improving, but there's nowhere where we need to get to if we want to take this program where I want to take it. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. Do you? So you have a vision of where it wants to go. Let's say there's some growing pains in year one. Like you might expect that for, with first year coach. You're going to see that across the conference, I think. But what's success for you? What do you need to see? Because I remember Jonathan Smith. Year one, I think it was like two and ten, and but they were starting to compete in spots, and he said that was really affirming for him. Yeah, I think success is just being the very best we can be at whatever we do. That's how we define it. But I think if there is something that you know a fan could measure of, okay, coach is going to be happy with it, is fight and passion. Like you watch our team play, and it doesn't matter the score, it doesn't matter what's happening. You can see guys care. Yeah. You can get, see guys have a passion for being on the field and have pride in what they do. Love that. And I think too, is it, do you think it's easier with the portal to get to get competitive sooner? Uh, yes and no, because yeah. the portal can help you get a better player, but not every player can come in and fit in a culture, and sometimes it can actually work in a backwards effect so you've got to be able to manage the portal uh within your culture and once you build a good enough culture i think it's mm-hmm. easier to bring in those elite players yeah. i mean if you but i think that's the same for most nfl teams once they establish a culture and consistency it's easier to bring in yeah. you know those other guys to the program yeah because i think if we talked about culture right now if we look back we go okay utah has really good culture oregon state's got some culture you can see it but it's continuity the coaching staffs don't turn over and they lose fewer players in the portal but you still have to use that portal because everybody else is doing it and you know better than anybody you got to get in there and get players all right last question quarterbacks you're a quarterback guy so are we going to see top line quarterbacks being transferred very transfer heavy meaning that you know if arizona state has a transfer quarterback that starts should we just expect that that's where the pipeline for quarterbacks is going to come from the portal rather than development as freshmen or how do you see that I think it'll be both. I think there'll be a select few elite freshmen who'll be able to play as a true freshman or their freshman year. But I think because of NIL, you're going to see the opportunities for some of these top, top, top quarterbacks in the country playing at other schools that how are you going to turn down this financial opportunity at this school? 
uh, they're just not, and they're going to take those opportunities. So I think you're going to continue to see more top quarterbacks return to college, hmm. like you saw this year, yeah. and more top quarterbacks uh, transfer to these top schools uh, because the NIL. So I do think NIL is keeping kids in college, and it's actually making – uh, a better product in college from a mm-hmm. standpoint of you have better players in it. Yeah, I love that. Because we we got to see some silver lining because I think I think some of it's turning everybody off, you know. Yeah. But I like the idea that we were going to see Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix back, Cam Rising back. You know, it's going to be fun to watch those guys and 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 see what you guys do. It's a small world, Kenny Dillingham. After all, uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for stopping thank by. Thank you. Appreciate you. See you later. The Bald Face Truth with John Canzano, live from Pac-12 Media Day in Las Vegas. Jaden Delora is with us. Who'd you? What did you play as a kid? What sports? Uh, baseball. Okay. Started with baseball, uh, basketball, football, volleyball. Yeah. Did sports. it all. Yeah. Did your? Uh, was that like your parents just kept you enrolling you in things? Or yeah. What so my my dad, his side of the family is really the one that are that is into sports. Um. But I would say my mom's dad was the one who figured out that I could throw. So <laughs> he signed me up for baseball. And yeah. then my dad really figured out that. So I played corner and safety before and receiver. Yeah. And then our quarterback didn't show up one game. And my dad threw me a quarterback. And the rest was history. I'd never left quarterback. That so. goes in the book yeah. when you write the book about, you know, your progression to quarterbacking. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, uh, you know, growing up, did you have – the quarterback position was that your favorite player or were you always like a defensive back like um you know so my favorite player the poster on your wall i guess um so when i was playing defense my favorite defense and receiver my favorite player was larry fitzgerald okay and then once i started playing quarterback it was michael vick so that's kind of why i wear number seven yes yeah, yeah that's there was cool. not a better player college football player than michael vick uh-huh. when he was at his prime yeah he doesn't get the sure. respect that like people don't remember it was like a video game mm-hmm. he and reggie bush yeah were different oh, yeah different sure. in that for way for sure we interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the ball hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.